If you like a lot of football on your podcasts, hold and give. Jack Atkins, as I look at you lovingly and jealous of your cool room in the midst of this muggy jungle I call my bedroom currently, I want you to know that Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Cristiano Ronaldo have scored in every minute of a football game and are the only two footballers in history to achieve such a feat. Both have scored in minute one, minute two, minute three... Minute four, minute five, minute six, minute seven, minute eight, minute nine. I'll just refer to my notes now. Minute ten, eleven. I'll stop doing that now, everybody. I was waiting for Jackins to cut me off, but he didn't do that. But they've scored every single minute from one to 90. Isn't that a fascinating fact about the football? That is a fascinating fact. Um, I would have assumed more would have done that. Because we don't know, like, we, we always have to say, since records began, I'm sure, you know, Dixie Dean probably did it or Eusebio or someone like that. After this season, well, obviously all of Erling Haaland's achievements have been uh, compared to Dixie Dean. I refuse to accept that Dixie Dean actually existed. I think Dixie Dean is just a fragment of everyone's imagination. A, yeah. a, a mythical character, much like Hercules, who didn't actually exist and then was just made up to make people from way back then more important than they actually were. I mean, oh, come on, you, you, we're only 20 seconds into this podcast and we're already kicking Everton fans while they're down. <laughs> yeah, your, your club's ultimate hero did not exist. Exactly. You should be putting more <laughs> stock in the achievements of Tony Hibbert than Dixie Dean. That's what I'm saying. At least we saw Di- uh, sorry, Tony Hibbert do his stuff. Yeah, and uh, what, the pitch invasion when he finally scored. <laughs> Aye, what a moment it was. Far better than anything Dixie Dean ever did. Anyway, hello and welcome to episode six of the Hold and Give Football podcast. We'll do a bit of a nice he's been at the start, Jackins. How's your yeah. week been? Um, One of them, innit? Because it's, uh, it, it's been a wrestling heavy week for me. We're getting in early with the soundboard, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a wrestling heavy week, so I was working... Sunday night, and I'm still tired. So you're telling me we've got a trip I mean, down to I'm... London this weekend, and I'm working 16 hour days at the minute trying to cram everything in. I'm not losing the plot at all. <laughs> that's because you're on that twaddle money. Oh, that's, I thought you were going to say that twaddle beak there. <laughs> On a Tuesday afternoon. Cheers, Tom Campbell. Anyway, uh, David De Gea, this is a very interesting thing. Uh, David (laughs) De Gea signed a contract extension with Manchester United only for the club to back out of the agreed proposal. De Gea agreed to a drastic reduction on his current... (laughs) We spoke about Marcus Rashford last week being a bit over the top, maybe. Perhaps in the view of some, it's £300,000 a week. But David De Gea is currently, before this new contract was even proposed, £375,000 a week. In That's wages. ludicrous, isn't it? Absolutely ludicrous. Especially for a man who's gone off the boil since about, you know, the 14, 15 David De Gea poos all over the current day David De Gea, for example. Yeah, I've just uh, had a quick look and he's 32. I thought he was younger than that for some reason, but he's... It's an odd one because I've been bracing myself for like the last six years for David De Gea to leave United. He always seemed like one of those, especially when United's fortunes on the pitch weren't as good. I thought, oh, will, will they cash in on him? But, I mean, they've got all the money in the world paying for 375 grand a week. They don't need to sell him. But I don't know. I wonder what what will happen going forward with this then. 
I'll tell you what's going to happen. He's not going to sign a new contract and he's going to leave for free. Because as you say, many years ago, around, maybe around about the 14-15 season, maybe a couple of seasons after that, it seemed like all the world he was going to be Real Madrid's next number one, but he never got that move. Obviously, Thibaut Courtois got that move. He's come up later in the news section with some scandalous going on with the Belgian national team over recent times. Um, but ever since he didn't get that move, it feels like his form, as it probably does with most players when they sign a contract of that size, you think of Mo Salah, it's mm. maybe not as an egregious an example, but he certainly had a little bit of a drop-off compared to what he was before he signed the most recent contract he's onto. When you get the bigger contracts, your form dips a bit and David De Gea's never really picked up again. Well, we were saying this the other week, weren't we? Because the, the fact that he got the Golden Gloves um, for the Premier League last season, but he's he's such a... I'm going to use the term mercurial talent. Um, he, he's either pulling off absolute worldies or he's just looking like a shambles. It's It's hard to read him as a player. I think. And I think a lack of competition as well isn't helping him at all. You think about the goalkeepers my United's had in backup. I know Romero was a good goalkeeper, but he never got a sniff when David De Gea was in the question. And ever since mm-hmm. Romero left, they've had they've had nobody, have they? Well, they had Dean Henderson, didn't they? Um, ah, I know. He's, it, he's, he had promise, obviously, but when he got into the yeah. team, I think it was during that lockdown season, wasn't it? He showed that he, he's not Man United standard. He's a good goalkeeper, a good Premier League goalkeeper, but not Man United standard. When you say Man United standard, they had Roy Carroll at one point, don't forget. <laughs> and exactly, then they were slipping down to the depths of third in the league or whatever it was back then. Um, but I will have to see what happens to, da- to have it to, to, to have it to here. My goodness me, David De Gea. Where do you think he ends up if he does leave? Because obviously Man United apparently pulled the contract off the table, don't want to sign it. So where's he going? Well, if he wants 375 grand a week at no, least, then he's going to be going on a free. No, don't say no. It's inevitable at this point, really, isn't it? <laughs> Which one's he going to? Al Ali? Al Itihad? Which one? <laughs> Does Al it matter? Al Ali are getting Mendy, aren't they? Oh, yes, they are from Chelsea. Yeah. That's another big bit yeah. of transfer news this week. Um, so, yeah, Al Itihad, there he goes. Or could he drop down to the one that's in the second division in Saudi Arabia? Is he that bad? Uh, I, I don't, if you're getting paid out the arse, would you really care that much? I mean, it's not like it's... 90s Serie A, is it? It's 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 a developing league. Let's let's put it kindly. Yeah, and if you want to know more of our thoughts on the Saudi Arabian takeover of football, look at last week's podcast, episode five, as we speak about it a hell of a lot more than we will do this week. Anyway, Tottenham are now denying receiving a bid for Harry Kane from Bayern Munich. Bayern are apparently the first club this summer to put forward a bid for Harry Kane, who turns 30 next month. Uh, 90 minutes, this story comes from, understands it was a £60 million, £70 million package that includes add-ons, although Spurs have denied receiving a bid and are adamant that such an offer would be rejected anyway. Crucially, from their perspective, Chairman Daniel Levy does not want to sell and remains convinced he can persuade Harry Kane to stay. How wh- how, how can Daniel Levy do that? <laughs> um, I don't know if he can. Literally sucking him off, I think, is the only way. <laughs> if Daniel Levy was gobbling on Harry Kane's primary striker, I think that's the only way he could get him to stay. I- I, I don't want to shame Daniel Levy, but if I was a multi-millionaire, top-of-my-game footballer and I was going to get sucked off by a middle-aged man, I think I could do better than <laughs> Daniel Levy. 
I'm gonna. I'm, am I gonna ask you for any names? I don't think. I, th- I don't think I should. Um, right. <laughs> I don't understand how Daniel Levy at this point, after what we've been through with Tottenham Hotspur in the Harry Kane era, we'll call it. You know, coming so mm. close to winning league titles under Pochettino, so close to European glory under Pochettino, then the drop-offs under the big names of Mourinho and Conte, and now with Ange Postecoglou coming in. Yes, it might pick up, but Harry Kane, as we say, is 30 next month. He wants to win things. We assume still he's still not really said anything publicly has he um so i I just i don't see any other way it ends than harry kane leaving spurs this summer surely yeah definitely not i mean we we and many others like us have been saying that man united seemed probable and like a good fit and what are they doing by the way oh god who knows and it just Quick, quick little sidetrack there. They obviously had the, the little transfer saga going now with Mason Mount. They've bid yeah. fifty, sorry, forty million and something that was turned down. Fifty million and stuff it was turned down. Why? They've just said sixty million apparently plus a little bit of add-ons and whatnot. That's how much you could have him for. Why don't they pull the fingers out the arse and get it done? Why don't they pull the fingers out the arse and get Harry Kane done? What are they well, doing, Jack Atkins? What are they doing? <laughs> well, you're saying there that um, ninety minutes are saying. Just- 60 million pounds, 70 million euros for Kane, even though he's in the final year of his contract, that seems really low. Yeah, I, I'm expecting what 90 million plus, I guess, maybe 80. But it, it's 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 Harry Kane, isn't it? I know he's 30, but the way he plays football, he's not over reliant on pace. He's obviously plays no. a lot with back to goal and stuff like that, dropping deep. It's not the sort of style of play that drops off when you're 33, does it? It's, maybe it'll drop off, drop off when he's 36, 37. So you're still getting three or four very, very tippy top years out of Harry Kane. So paying 80 million, I think, is you know about par. And he'll he'll win if he goes to Munich. He'll win everything. Um, the change of pace in the league might actually suit him, might even prolong his career. But with United, they've had some incredible strikers over the years. They, they love a proper forward man, talismanic forward man, don't they? Um, I was going to say United are on the up. but They probably again, are like, when you look at where they were last yeah. season compared to where they finished this season. So the, there's the chances he could win stuff at United, but if I was Harry Kane, I'd leave Tottenham. Oh, big style! He's got yeah. to do it. It just—it's how can anything be better than leaving Spurs at this point? Money's going to go up surely because you're moving club, and that's just a mm. thing that seemingly happens. Obviously, chances of winning stuff's going to go up no matter where he goes. Bayern Munich didn't place Lewandowski when he left, and I guess this is them finally making their move, getting Chubo yeah. Motting out of this front line. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most curious cases in football history. But again, there was the rumours about Real Madrid earlier this summer that didn't materialise because apparently now, I mean, there was a bit of transfer news that just before we started filming here that I saw on, on Twitter saying that Liverpool are in for Valverde 90 million euros just so they can uh, free up some transfer kitty for uh, Mbappe coming in I mean you know I'd love Valverde but it's not happening that's that's come out of nowhere that I don't think there's any merit to that at all um, you'd have to give it a go though wouldn't you if the chance if he was the chance was there if, if he was if available was the chance there yeah and our owners put their hands in the pocket definitely would be saying getting him in the squad but knowing Liverpool I don't see it happening but I don't know. I remember the Madrid links with Kane, and I thought it doesn't fit in my head. I'm now I'm talking oh, about it's my a arse. straight replacement for Benzema. I think it does. Yeah, it does. I just, there's just something about it that I just can't picture in my head, though. You know, when you've like we were saying about oh Kane at United, you can see it, you can see him in the shirt, you can see how they play Munich as well. But just there's just something there that I can't figure out with the Madrid one. Is it the him learning Spanish? 
you know, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Ungracious agree, por favor. <laughs> Have you ever heard Steve McManaman speak Spanish? No, I haven't, but I imagine it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's just fluid Spanish, but with a Scouse accent. It's great. How do you say Fletch in Spanish? I guess that's the question. <laughs> uh, Fletcherino. <laughs> Isn't that Brazilian? Anyway, West Ham have rejected Manchester City's first offer worth £90 million for Declan Rice. Sources have confirmed once again to 90 minutes. I've got this news from. Arsenal have been in with two offers but have been turned down on both occasions. One was seven, I think the first one was 70, the second one was 80, but West Ham are holding out for close to £100 million, if not above £100 million. As you can see from the, the title of this very podcast, we'll speak more about Declan Rice as this goes on. But just going back to Liverpool there... I heard about this complete rebuild that was supposed to be happening to the midfield. And so far you've signed McAllister, which is a good start, but, but that, that's it. What's what's happening? The, the main ones we're being linked with are Taram, Kone, and an outside shot at uh, Nicolo Barea. Um, oh, he doesn't, want, he, doesn't, he doesn't fancy the Prem. That's why Newcastle haven't got him. Yeah. Yeah, apparently so. That's, that was the talk on the air, on the tie-in. I don't know, though, if, if he's offered the chance. No disrespect to uh, St. James's Park and... Eddie Howe, but if you offered the chance to play for Jürgen Klopp under those famous Anfield, like in the Europa League, oh, admittedly, but get still. your scouse head out of your scouse arse. No. Um, <laughs> Berea isn't happening. Um, we're, some of the fan base is starting to get a bit itchy because obviously we're not the most united behind our owners. Um, and we were, you know, we had all these rumors, 250 million war chest. And then, you know, at, at some point someone was like, oh no, it's 150 million. And it was like, okay, we signed McAllister for 35 million and then said that everyone else was too expensive at about 45. And we're just like, with the Taram and Kone stuff, the, 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 the line on Twitter was, oh, we'll wait till they come back from the under 21s just in case they get injured, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do a deal afterwards. Um, and, you know, they're, they're bossing it and their valuation's going to go up. And at the same time, you just signed um thingy, didn't you? Yeah, and he's away at the under-21, so deals can be done. So yep. I don't know. I don't know. We're preparing for the worst. I know that we've not really got much to moan at because we've had a successful few years, but we need to rebuild. And we really, really need to rebuild. But you're even weaker than you were at the end of the last season, surely, because you've let Milner go out the midfield. The Ox mm. isn't there. No, I guess it doesn't count the amount he's injured. Um, yeah. Who else has left? Someone else has Kate left. Case has left as well. I guess Carvalho he could throw in there. He's going to Leipzig, isn't he? So you're yeah. left now with, obviously, McAllister and Henderson and the young lad who I always butchered the name of. Bacetich. Bacetich, that's the one. Yeah. Or Bacetich, uh, you know. That yeah. lad, our oh, Stefan. So there, there, there's there's three to get you through an entire season. <laughs> yeah. The main thing we need is we need, because we were playing Bacetic as in the kind of DM role, but that's not his natural position. We need someone to, so we can rest Fabinho because... Oh, of course he's there as well. <laughs> the beginning of last season, Fabinho fell off a cliff when for a couple of seasons before, he was arguably the best DM in the world and he was just had a stinker of a season. But towards the tail end, after he'd been rested a bit and he was coming back, we were seeing that out. Oh, he's just he's just knackered. He's still got something there. But we need to, like I said, start planning. There's even been some people saying we need to start planning for life without Salah as well because he's getting up there in years now. It's like if we're going to start properly 
building into this next phase. We need to be looking all over the pitch. You know what? Liverpool could do far worse than James Madison. And James Madison is apparently in advanced talks with Tottenham Hotspur over a move from Leicester City in the summer. Newcastle have been linked with James Madison ever since last summer when we first made an approach for him. But apparently, well, not even apparently, Newcastle's evaluation or valuation of Madison is different to Leicester's. Leicester, even though he's got one year left in his contract, wants somewhere close to 60 million. Newcastle want to play lower than that. Spurs, apparently there is a bit of a, a difference in their valuation compared to Leicester's 60 million valuation. But Sky Sports are saying there's a cautious optimism. A deal can be struck. That would be it's... a very good sign. I'll tell you what, the, the, the one thing, because I'm not too miffed about Newcastle poti- potentially missing out on Madison, because first and foremost, I don't think he properly fits into how Eddie Howe plays football, because the way Eddie Howe has a set up with the, the three combative midfielders in the middle, surely Madison doesn't fit in that, so surely he'd be playing out on one of the two wings, which I don't think is his strongest position. I think you need to have him right in the middle of the pitch, just conducting things the way he does. But also, his injury record's not as not as good as I, th- I think many people think it is. He's, he, he gets injured from time to time. Mm. Do you reckon that's, I was going to say, a case of him being overplayed at Leicester, maybe? Because he, he was the heart and soul, Jamie Vardy aside, wasn't he? But, yeah. Um, we, to circle back to it, you're saying, how does Daniel Levy keep Kane at Tottenham? Could could this be one of the pieces? He's like, look, we'll rebuild, we'll get Madison in. Or is this them spending the Kane money before they've got it? Yeah. Oh, what a what a lovely little tease that was there, Jack. And I tell you what, he's a very very good player. There's no getting away from that. And he's obviously going to be an asset to anyone who signs him. The higher up the league he's playing as well, I think the better he'll be. Obviously surrounded yeah. by better players than he was last season at Leicester when everyone down tools it would seem. Um, but yeah, it looked like Spurs is going to get James Madison across North London. And more transfer news: Kai Havertz. The first picture of him in his new Arsenal kit was leaked on Twitter last night. Is where I sat here on the 27th of June, which is a Tuesday. Day. Apparently, he's completed his medical over the weekend there while Glastonbury was going on. Maybe it could have taken place there. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but there we go. Um, he will be finalising his move from Chelsea in the coming days. Apparently, Arsenal are going to pay Chelsea somewhere in the region of £65 million for the 23-year-old. I thought he was a lot older than that, but it turns out he's only 23. He's about 21 when he scored that Champions League final winning goal. Yeah, I, I like Kai Havertz. Um I know he went a bit off the boil last season for Chelsea, but who didn't? But it seemed like the fan, well, the vocal elements of the fan base that I saw online had really turned on him. But sixty-five million for a proven 23-year-old, like you said, Champions League winning goal, etc. I think it's a good move. I and think it, for him personally as well. At least he doesn't have to move house. So it's <laughs> yeah. lovely, isn't it? Let's get the tube now, Connie, just across the way. <laughs> um, but the, for me, Havertz, it's clear that Arteta must have like a proper plan for him because it, again, last season he wasn't that impressive in a Chelsea team that was faltering from every single position imaginable. Um, mm. But playing him as a centre forward, I think, is going to be a thing we don't see anymore because he's just not one. Chelsea, yeah. the, the second half of the season, especially when I was watching, like the I was live-streaming their game away at Old Trafford and he missed a couple of guilt-edged chances in the, in, the, in the first half especially. I remember one coming across and he sort of shanked it wide. I think I was, maybe there was a header six yards out straight in the middle of the goal that he didn't put in the back of the net. He's clearly one of those, like the three behind the front man, I think. And I think Arteta's got a clear plan for him to be one of those people. I think he's a confidence man as well. I can I can imagine if you're feeling you know down on your luck and, and a new look Chelsea where all these names are coming and like you're saying the fans getting on your back and not finishing your chances and an Arsenal that you know came close to win the league coming saying we want you you know come in we've got a load of lovely lads here it seems like a squad full of uh, you know nice fellas and granite chaka. Um, <laughs> 
He's leaving though, if, so it's fine. That's been rectified. Yeah, that's true. If 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 Havertz hits the ground running, I think this could be a monumental season for him. But that's a bit of a cop out answer for me because you can say that about any player. But he, it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to, like you were saying, this new team, different system, less turmoil on the pitch, less turmoil off the pitch potentially. You never know. He'll have plenty of time to do so, though, because Sky in Germany are reporting that he's going to sign a five-year deal at the Emirates Stadium. He's such a silky boy. You know, this is a weird comparison. He's such a silky boy. (laughs) He's got an an air of the Berbatovs about him and his touch and his style of play for me. Yeah, I can see what you mean there, yeah. Oh, he's such a silky boy. We'll just leave that there to linger. Just a lovely, (laughs) lovely... Silky boy. Right. Barcelona have completed the signing of Ilkay Gundogan from Manchester City this week. The 32-year-old moves to the Camp Nou on a two-year deal. Barcelona have the option to extend by a further 12 months. I can't believe it's ended this way, but it has. <laughs> I saw some people questioning it, saying that it seems like a bit of a, an odd fit for Barcelona. But, you know, if if Xavi says, oh, he'll, he'll work in our midfield, he's not going to say he's wrong, are you really? It's Xavi at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and... He's won everything, absolutely everything, bastard. Um, and I like Gundogan as well. He's one of those that even even when I'm you know just really hating City, I'm just like, he's 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 just a really good player. Thirty two, that's a a good move. And I suppose uh, he's he's not moving to the Saudi league, but whatever. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just it's strange how City would let him go when he was so crucial to everything they did last season. But again, it might be one of those cases of he's he's completed football at Manchester City now. So now what yeah. else is there to achieve? He might as well go and try it somewhere else. And I'm glad he's not gone to Saudi Arabia because this next one is absolutely terrifying because Bernardo Silva has apparently been offered a monster contract to join the Saudi Pro League. Just in case you listen on Spotify or Acast, Jarkins has his hat off his head and is celebrating like the Reds have just scored a goal. Uh, The contract proposal could earn the 28-year-old up to £80 million a year. uh, Silva would prefer to stay in Europe at this stage of his career, as he should do at 28 years of age, for goodness Mm. sake, and would like to join Barcelona. Paris Saint-Germain may hold the cards because of their superior financial position. Uh, Apparently, wants a new challenge after you know again completing football basically with Manchester City um, yeah. but he's still under contract with Manchester City until 2025 get Liverpool in for him you know yeah great it, yeah. yeah he loves us <laughs> <laughs> he's a fantastic player though but again it's just it's strange oh, he's a great player absolutely this, great player yeah. this cycle this Manchester City team's going through now with the likes of Gundogan and Silva two first yeah, first names on the team sheet types from last season. They're both good, yeah. apparently. Yeah, but like we were saying earlier, if they can just go, ah, well, thanks, we're just going to go buy Declan Rice. It doesn't really matter, does it? Um, but yeah, like, like you were saying, Bernardo Silva, these links to the Saudi League haven't gone away because there's been memories about it. And usually if it's going to get shut down, it gets shut down. So I do think there is... There is... I don't know. I don't know if if his agent has said something to the Saudi league that's given him like an inkling of hope because otherwise this would have just been buried, wouldn't it? Um, and you're saying join Barcelona. We were saying about Gundogan being, you know, not the most perfect fit for Barcelona. Bernardo Silva and that Barca team would yeah. be, he'd run riot, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go both ways. He goes, he goes both ways very well. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's it's hot and sweaty in your in your bedroom. Yeah, more ways than hot one. His defensive work is arguably better than his attacking work for me. I love seeing a winger track back, and what he tracks back, like few other I've seen in this game of ours called football. 
Well, like we say, if, if he wasn't such an arsehole, he, he, he would fit in well at Liverpool because we like, you know, <laughs> our players to press and we'd like them to drop back and help out in defence when they can. But um, is, that, is that the former home of Luis Suarez, that team of not arseholes you're on about there? Well, it's it's not arseholes under Klopp. All right. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, we've we've had plenty of arseholes, <laughs> and now the only arsehole, well, Robertson's a bit of an arsehole, but like the only out-and-out arsehole we've got is Jurgen Klopp, and I love him. Yeah, I'm trying but, to think uh, of bona fide arseholes in that Liverpool team, and I can't, no one's springing to mind. Yeah, because it's, it's one of the things that's kind of spoken about is when he turned up and he was seeing like what the attitudes were like of people, he'll just, if if, if they're not going to knuckle down, he'll just ship them out. Um, Mamadou Sako, I think, was one of them. Like for preseason training, he was, you know, a bit late and trying to play it off. Like, ah, it's just preseason. And Klopp was like, nah, that's not going to fly. So, yeah, we, we, we've got a, a harmonious locker room. I mean, they, they were saying about, you know, Sadio Mane and Salah, there was a professional rivalry. It was like, oh, no, they're all right. Send Mane goes to Germany and he starts punching his teammates. So. <laughs> That was a good story, that. I don't know if it was mm. a good story. I can't remember what the, the, the catalyst of the punch was. It was Leroy Sane, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I don't know if they were just... Because he, he didn't he didn't take on it by Munich like we all expected him to. I don't know if it was just frustrations boiling over. I don't know. It's just... But, yeah, as we were saying, no arseholes. Yeah, but it is weird what Manchester City are doing <laughs> just to go back to them on this Liverpool football podcast, there apparently. Go, yeah. um, Manchester City are replacing <laughs> the likes of Gundogan and his attacking prowess and apparently Bernardo Silva with his attacking prowess with the likes of, apparently, Declan Rice and the likes of, officially, nearly, um, your man Kovacic from Chelsea, who is not mm-hmm. an attacking player in the slightest from what we've seen in the Premier League so far. Yeah, and the, the strong rumours are that they're going to bring uh, Gvardiol in to that defence so yeah great yeah. why not eh why not yeah. <laughs> he's good isn't he? I mean they've got oh, Calvin no. Phillips as well there in, in the midfield but yeah they're, they're replacing more attacking players with not attacking players this summer which I find incredibly strange do you think it's just because they realise that if Harlan stays fit he just scores for fun so they're like do you know what let's <laughs> let's kind of shore up the back let's tighten that up and let's I think they're going to try and go invincible that's the only thing they've got left to break isn't it it oh, is and the quad yeah mm. Yeah, oh, quad. That just makes me think of quad vods. Up the vodka. Anyway, back to more serious (laughs) football news. Chelsea owners Blue Co. have secured a deal to become the new shareholders of French club RC Strasbourg, who finished 15th in a recently concluded League One season. Under the terms of the deal, Strasbourg president Mark Keller, who played for West Ham, Portsmouth and Blackburn between 1998 and 2002, will remain (laughs) in his position. Blue Co. is the parent company created by Todd Bowley and Clearlay Capital that bought Chelsea last summer. The move to acquire uh, Strasbourg has already drawn similarities with the City Football Group and their multi-club stable that includes clubs in Spain, France and the United States, Australia, Japan, China, India, Uruguay and more. Why not name the more whoever I've copy and paste this story from? What about and the more? Where are they? Bobby Moore, I don't know. <laughs> Luke Moore. Go on, back to you. That's a game of Moore. Roger Moore. No, oh, you can't go non-football. Spoil sport. Anyway, so Chelsea are apparently going to do a Manchester City now and acquire lots and lots of teams around the world. And this has led to UEFA, who have had a meeting to discuss ruling on multi-club models like Chelsea's potentially and Manchester City's. Uh, they've had a two-day meeting this week to discuss potentially seismic rulings on multi-club ownership in football. The model is being pursued by leading clubs across Europe, with Chelsea's latest to announce, as I just said, by French League Un Club Strasbourg, uh, UEFA's club financial control body, the CF. CB 
up the CFCB, relaxes at the rules it will give Premier League owners confidence to press ahead with buying other clubs across the continent. Equally, a tightening of the existing regulations could anger supporters of clubs tonight European football due to their involvement in multi-club networks. UEFA president Alexander Seferin has hinted that the, in the past that the, governor, uh, the governing body could soften its stance and its sources believe rules governing the system will be altered at the start of the 24-25 season. This is all very big boy stuff. First and foremost, Jackins, what's your thoughts on multi-club ownership? Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm probably wrong because it's me. I'm, I'm sure under Abramovich, Chelsea had a kind of theatre system, didn't he? In it Holland. Though, yeah, it was usually the way lower leagues, though. Was it um, Vitesse? I think Vitesse is coming Vitesse to mind. Vitesse yeah. yeah. Uh, that sounds about right, yeah. Um, but obviously, Strasbourg, they're not, you know... They're not much of a force in France. They, you know, knocked Liverpool out of the UEFA Cup about 25 years ago. Um, but this is bringing it up to a different level, like you're saying, compared to like Vitesse. Um, will this rule in, obviously, it's slightly different, but like the Red Bull group, because they have a couple of teams, don't they? Um, what? Salzburg. 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 Your German one. New York. Yeah, Leipzig, Salzburg, New York. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think anything's going to change though, because I just don't have any faith in UEFA. Um, money talks at the end of the day, and they'll just be like, "Oh, well, it's growing the game," you know. I I think this is going to be a model which could take off. Where you've got, whereas you know, back in the day, you'd have your you know your under sixteens, under twenty ones main squad. I think it'll just be like a continental model of that instead. We've got like, oh well, you're playing. Belgium for a season, Holland in the se- for a season, then we'll bring you up to the Premier League or bring you up to Serie A. Um, I would not be surprised if it went that way. In terms of Chelsea buying Strasbourg, that's like you're saying, if unless UEFA put a firm no on it, it's just going to keep clubs and ownerships are going to take the piss and push the luck as much as possible, aren't they? Yep, and my Newcastle United are one of those because we've been looking at clubs. There was one in Belgium I've forgotten the name of. There was one in mm. France I've forgotten the name of. But we're looking to do something similar and I think you're absolutely spot on. I think it is just going to be a thing that grows and grows and grows until governance is brought in for issues like this. I think it's what it's going to take is UEFA and all of the the governing bodies around the world to come together and put one rule in place for stuff like this for everyone to abide to and for stuff like the Saudi Arabians just spending money on their teams I know it's weird for a Newcastle fan to be saying this because Newcastle's now got an advantage compared to other teams that they play in the same league as but there's FFP Newcastle's got to deal with whereas these Saudi teams can go and offer 80 million a season to Bernardo Silva, apparently, and there's no ramifications for that, even though it's clearly not a sustainable model. So every governing body, when it comes to club ownership and it comes to the buying of players, I think they all need to come together and put one rule in place that everyone has to abide to on certain issues that they can all do, you know what you know what I mean? All the big clubs can do this certain thing yeah. around the world, no matter where they're playing. Yeah, I, I mean, from a business perspective, it, you can understand why they do it. It's it's a good idea. You know, if if you're taking away the actual ramifications of it, you're taking away the morality and sports away from it. It's a good idea to be like, right, if we can pull resources and you know have a talent pool which is exclusive to us to skate around FFP. It's a brilliant idea, but like you're saying, it's it's the kind of the, the conflict of interest and stuff like that. Say somehow one of these, um, say. It was a Strasbourg. I was going to say Bordeaux then. Um, say Strasbourg, for for example, say if they climbed up um, the French League and got into Europe and were drawn against Chelsea, then what what, what would happen? 
Like all, I know it's all the players would be cup tied, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hypothetical, obviously, but surely that would bring the game into disrepute. And I think perhaps we won't see anything done until that unlikely scenario happens. Yeah, that's a very but interesting. People just have to make noise. I think that's the thing about it. But Willie, I, I don't, I don't have much hope. Here's my noises. <laughs> Hopefully, you wait for listening to those noises and take action. <laughs> Gianni Infantino out the window. Just like, <laughs> I know he's FIFA, isn't he? Uh, st- some I don't know what you mean. I don't even know yeah. who took over from Platini. <laughs> Platini was UEFA, yeah. wasn't he? Is, is Platini still in jail? Did he actually yeah, I think get he jailed? I think yeah. he did, didn't he? Mm. Oh, what a shame. Anyway, Thibaut Courtois' <laughs> situation with the Belgian national team has been taken over the airwaves over the past week. Belgian manager Domenico Tedesco, a household name here in the UK, has accused Thibaut Courtois of leaving camp because he was not named the captain. Courtois has denied such claims, but teammate Yannick Carrasco has stuck his nose in and put Thibaut Courtois under many buses. Indeed, Carrasco <laughs> has admitted the team are disappointed with Thibaut Courtois' decision to leave camp over the captaincy row. Apparently, Thibaut Courtois left the camp before their Euro 2024 qualifier against Estonia on Tuesday, with the manager late in claiming that the Real Madrid goalkeeper had walked away in frustration after not being named the captain. Those, as I said there, the claims were rejected by Courtois, who pointed to an injury concern as the reason for leaving, but Carrasco has now spoken and revealed what the players have, that, that, sorry, that the players have sided with their manager. What he did say about this one, Carrasco, was we've more or less understood what happened and uh, he was speaking to RBTF in this interview. Uh, we have had a meeting with a coach uh, who was clear with us. We, the older players, haven't yet had the opportunity to speak with Thibaut, uh, but were disappointed with his reaction. At the end of the day, he's a key member of the team, one of the three captains. An armband is just a detail. You have to show that you're a leader and a captain with your own personality. He chose to leave, whether he was embarrassed or not. We don't know, but one of the reasons he left was also the armband. Now that's clear. Oh, uh, oh. oh. <laughs> if this is true, he needs to grow up. He does, doesn't uh, he? It's it's got the uh, it's got the, all the hallmarks of remember um, Yaya Torre's birthday. It's got... <laughs> no, that's a bad one for people to forget it was his birthday and give him a crappy cake as a, a bit of a late. That was the story, wasn't it? That they forgot his birthday and then a cake was brought around too late. Yeah, but I, I think people were digging at the same time and seeing that, you know, other players at other big teams were getting, like, cars for the birthdays. And he was like, he's got a car and I've got a cake. And I was like, I'm sure it was a cake baked with love, yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe it was one of those... Do you remember those adverts for Skoda back in the day when it was a cake, but it was a car? Oh, God, yeah. And the, the jelly headlight. Oh, yeah. Oh, lovely. Um, I've just but, got an yeah. article here from the, the Evening News <laughs> in Manchester. I was so pissed how Yaya Toure's infamous birthday cake saga damaged the end of his Manchester City career. This was written in early, well, January of this year. It's been over 12 years since the Earth infamous birthday cake saga, which nearly led to Yaya Toure's early Manchester City departure. You talk for a bit and I'll find the bit of the story that's pertinent to what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing, captaincies, isn't it? Um, especially that you're saying if if he was going into a World Cup or something like that and was the out and out star of the team, and they were just like, or if promises were made to him, you can understand him being a bit frustrated. But like they said, there, an arm man is a detail. You've got to be there to you've got to be a leader on and off the pitch, Ross. Um, I'm actually quite happy that, like I said, knowing very little about the situation, but I'm glad that the team sided with the manager and they've just gone like nah we can't have him being a baby here while we're going was it for the qualifiers yeah 
yeah, they were just like, we, we can't have him being a baby when we need him for the qualifiers. Let's all kind of knuckle down and see what's what. I found the bit of the story. Uh, Yuri Arturi's agent, who was called Dimitri, or back then was called Dimitri Saluk, has claimed that City had not appropriately marked the midfield linchpin's birthday, sparking wild speculation over a missing birthday cake. Despite the ridiculous scenario, it's it's seriously threatened to stay at the Etihad, and I can't be asked to read any more of that because it's a ridiculous situation to begin with. 12 years ago, though. Dead soon. I know, yeah. You know what I'm thinking about this one, though? Go on. Oh, I don't think it did it. Did you hear that or not? <laughs> Is that someone shouting twat? <laughs> it was. It was maybe coming through the system thingy, but I don't think it's coming through. No, me soundboards <laughs> let me down. Oh, no. Oh, that's a shame. Anyway, Manchester United saw their 2023-2023-2022... Oh, my God. This new season's home shirt leaked on Saturday, three days ahead of its official launch, when rapper H... Are you familiar with this rapping man? No, because I am... In my head, it's still 1994 when it comes to hip-hop. I tell you what, though, I am not on board at all with that, this new, uh, this new, this new, uh, this new fangled, uh, this new fangled genre of music. That's your your H's and your your Stormzy's represent. I, I, I can't get on board with it. It's not catchy enough for me. Grime, yeah, just grime in general. Yeah. I like a bit of grime. Do you like, like a bit, a bit of, grime. of grime? Who's your favourite? Like grime. Cameron. Uh, I like. <laughs> I like uh, Jamie. 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 Uh, Jamie Grime. Yeah, no, just an artist called Jamie. Not like people oh, right. with the surname Grimes. <laughs> Trying to think. Frank, Frank Grimes from The Simpsons. Go for it, yeah. <laughs> He's a great man. Anyway, H was wearing this shirt on the Glastonbury stage on Saturday. Uh, Manchester United had to respond to this because everyone kicked off. They said, our new home kit was seen for the first time on Saturday when lifelong United fan and Manchester native H wore it proudly during his acclaimed performance on Glastonbury's legendary pyramid stage. It, well, that's what it read, yeah. And they've had to just release teaser videos off the back of that because everyone thought it was a, a real situation where H had somehow commandeered a football shirt and then took it to the stage before they were ready to announce what was going on. Oh. Um, so it just seems like it's a, a, a PR stunt that's gone a bit sideways because they've not had everything in order. What? He did it! Hey! hey! That was worth it. Seven minutes too late. <laughs> what did you do? Oh, not Jim White. I don't listen to Jim White. Sorry, a video picked up there. Um, but yes, Manchester United have... Today launched their new, or as we're sat here on Tuesday, they've launched a new kit. And I saw a story earlier as well saying that they had to close the club shop because of the protest. Glazers out, don't support Adidas, this, that, and the other. These protests never work. I know this is a Newcastle fan, boycotting the Sports Direct, boycotting the stadium. They're not going to go anywhere until a rich oligarch or a nation state will come in with more money than they can say no to. So just don't bother. Just buy your shirts and shut up. I've just had to Google the shirt now because I didn't watch much Glastonbury, but it's I don't like that Team Viewer logo, but um, it seems all right. Do you want to do a tier list for the new kits, Jarkins, over Zoom? If we can find a way to make it work, let's do it. Yeah. Have they all been released now, all the I home th- kits? I think anyway? they must have been. It's nearly July. Yeah, but, you know, f- football doesn't end now. It's it's a constant cycle. Who knows what year it is anymore? I know. It is 2023. And it feels weird to say football never ends and then go on to our next story, but that's the way this mm. cookie has particularly crumbled. Uh, Craig Brown, who was, I think, known to myself and Jarkins as just Scotland's manager of the 90s. He passed away this week. At the age of 82, he took charge of 71 games in the, the Scottish national team between 1993 and 2001, famously leading Scotland to a 1998 World Cup uh, two years after taking 
taking on England at Euro 96. He also had spells in charge of Preston, Motherwell and Aberdeen. Um, he got a CBE in 1999. A statement read about his uh, passing. Craig died peacefully today after a short illness in the University Hospital in Air, surrounded by his close family members. Uh, again, it's one of those situations where I think you learn more about the man when just people are speaking about him in the press this week mm. after the news came out. And it just everyone's saying he's such a lovely fella. That's all I really know about Craig Brown. Scotland manager in the 90s, lovely fella. And I guess that's a nice way to go out, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. If, if, if that's the overriding impression that you gave, then you've done something right. We've we've talked in recent weeks about that kind of the so-called glory years for Scotland. Obviously, they had what was it, Archie Gemmell in the seventies and stuff like that. But that that nineties team when you had like McCoist and Strack and Hendry, uh, McAllister, um, vivid memories of the ninety six and ninety eight squads. I remember when they got drawn with Brazil in World Cup ninety eight. I was like, oh, ah, they all dyed their hairs as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, but yeah, like like you said, it's. Uh, Another face from our childhood that's gone now. Oh, we're getting old, aren't we? I'm getting older than you. Not by that much. Only four years or something, isn't it? I'm, thir- I'm 31 in August. I'm 35 in November. I'll be going to the Saudi League if I was a footballer <laughs> at this so would I be if the offer was right anyway <laughs> we move on to our highlight of the weekend because Jack Atkins took the one I was going to say we had a little discussion before the po- podcast got on the air I'll let you go first this week I'll just put it succinctly lad on a bike scoring a header that's all you need to know <laughs> <laughs> it's it's when we decided well um, that we were going to do a podcast, and when we realised that we were launching it at the end of the season, we were like, "Ah, it's going to be it's going to be quiet a few weeks." And it's apart from you know transfer this and that, there's not been much going on. But just a video of someone pinging in a lovely cross. Lad doesn't even break his stride on his bike; just nods it right in the bag. Oh, beautiful! It beautiful. is beautiful. We'll play the sound effect because we can get away with that. Here is what it sounds like, everybody. There's a song on that video. Let's not play that one. It was a fantastic, fantastic header on a fantastic cross. Because he's not even crossed it. Whoever's crossed it in, they're not even on the pitch. They're about seven miles out, and this ball has been pinged in wonderfully. As you say, the bike doesn't break stride. If bikes have strides, the wheels never have to slow down. He's pedaling, he's pedaling stride. Liquid football, quite literally, on a a bicycle, (laughs) not a motorcycle. That's the highlight of the week. We don't care what's going on. I guess that's the second week in a row now where a fan thing or just a not footballer thing has been the highlight of the week. After that, insert MLS team that I've forgotten, uh, fan getting into the... um, into the the centre yeah. centre spot, yeah. I mean, like we're saying, it's the end of the season. It's it's going to be slim pickings most weeks now, isn't it? It is. Yeah, that's why I'm going to speak about William F. Uh, sorry, William P. Foley, the owner of Bournemouth Football Club, um, because he was on Talk Sport this week. And as we say, slim pickings for highlight of the week. But he did a really refreshing open interview on Talk Sport this week when he spoke about why he got rid of Gary O'Neill, why he brought in the new manager who I always butcher the name of, so I won't even bother saying his name and just saying his plans for the football club. And I'm not a Bournemouth fan by any stretch of the imagination, but even I came out with that thinking, oh yeah, I can see why you did that, sir. Thank you for being so open. Let's go. LFG, kids. I, I, I didn't catch this. What what did he basically say? He just has a vision for the club and wants them to do well. He basically's basically. got, he's, he's being ambitious by saying basically they want a new style of football. They want a more attractive name for players to come in and work under. They've got all mm. the plans for, he was very realistic in saying like, you know, Bournemouth don't need a new stadium. They, 
maybe need 20,000 to push. I think you said that the current stadium is more like 11 or something like that, maybe 15. I can't remember what Bournemouth Stadium is. And but he's saying, like, we don't need to build a massive stadium. We want a new stadium, but not a new, uh, not a massive one. The training ground needs updated, but that'll uh, get built on some site that's already being used for something else. He just basically laid out his plan for the club over the next few years and basically said, we want to try and get into Europe. And that's the end goal. He's... That's what he was saying, like over in America and stuff. He's been a builder of things over many years, and he's not coming to this stupid. It was not his decision to get rid of them, uh, Gary O'Neill. It was the football people around him, and he was just going off what they were saying. So it was a because, of course, over here in the UK, we rarely hear any owners speak in the press. So to hear what be is kind of is that on on national radio, I thought was a lovely step in the right direction. No, fair play to him. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Oh, the William P. Foley. We go from <laughs> the highlight of the week to the twat of the week. Who is your twat, Jack? Um, I've just gone for FIFA. Uh, <laughs> FIFA in general, um, like we, we said literally seconds ago, football never ends. And it's going to get worse because um, we, we've had announcements that obviously... Uh, UEFA Champions League is going to be expanded, more teams, more games. FIFA World Cup set to expand. It's now been announced that the FIFA Club World Cup will be expanded from seven teams to 32 in December 2025 because seasons can never end. Um, and my annoyance is threefold. But for a start, there's too much football. Um, as you and I know from from our other hats that we wear in the wrestling world, when we have to, you know, as as much as we love our jobs and we, um, you know, we're blessed to have them, you watch too much of it and you're just like, oh Christ, I, I you know, I just need to go home and read the paper. Um, so yeah, too much football, too much football. Um, it'll knacker the players as well. It'll cause far more injuries if you expand everything. Obviously, we're seeing players' long careers get longevity because they're more protected, the less rough and ready. Um on the field style of play but if they're getting knackered and long-term muscle damage then it's going to do a lot of damage and the the other thing is obviously it's clear as day every time that FIFA and UEFA and you know the other major sporting bodies they only care about money yeah um and you know Gianni Infantino very happy about all this because you know he's saying oh it'll grow the profile of the game um the cynic in me is thinking that this is FIFA stepping in and making their own form of Super League. To, to what say, competition oh, was this again? Sorry, I, f- I forgot what you said at the start. Club World Cup. So the one where you won the Champions League and you go and play against other teams in December, that one? Yeah. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah. So they're doing it now, because um, I read it on The Athletic this morning, um, while well, on the toilet, I thought, you know, pace night. Pace oh, how was it? Let's, let's have a rundown. How, how was how was it? Well, it's a, yeah, p- perfectly cromulent. Yeah, yeah. Sort of what consistency we're talking about was it a bit of a tough one. Are you? No, it was fine. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Was, yeah. Uh, standard. Um, but <laughs> it's um, I think the format was you've got it will be the previous four winners of the Champions League. So that means that Chelsea, Madrid and City have already booked their place into it. And then whoever wins the Champions League this season, cha-ching. Um, and obviously there's representations from CONCACAF and, you know, all, all the other, the same as it is now, but instead of it just being like the, I, I can't think of the other federations, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, Instead of it just being like, here's this season's best versus this season's best. It's the accumulation of the seasons and it's just, Going to be in December, and they're saying that by putting it in December, that it could lead to a a break in September, end of September in in October for the Continental Leagues. But you know for a fact that 
probably the, the FAs are going to step in and think, oh, let's have a let's have a friendly, a international friendly to make more money, and it's just. It's another mess, isn't it? It's going to be the end of football because of the World Cup. I remember being very much on board with the concept of a Winter World Cup because I love winter pints in a nice warm pub, the crackling wood fire over there, your warm glass of cider at the bar. I was thinking, wow, all of that loveliness of a festive pint with the World Cup on as well. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's heaven. It's heaven, so it is. But now it's going to end football because we've seen we've seen it's possible to fit a massive tournament, a month-long tournament, in the middle of a, a season, and now FIFA and all the other governing, governing bodies. I'm going to try and just get it in there anyway now. It's part of the actual calendar. Have you ever seen the film Basketball starring Trey Parker and Matt Stone? Many years ago, but yeah. Well, the the, 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 the premise behind it is they invent a new sport. It mixes basketball, baseball, and just swearing at people. But the, the prelude to it is that American sports has gotten too busy and too convoluted with naming rights and team switching cities and too much money and the pre-pre-season and the post-pre-season and the pre-post-season and all this stuff that people are just getting sick of it and they want back to basic sports and that's why this basketball takes off and I'm getting vibes of that from this that it's just it's just going to get worse and worse, isn't it? It's too much, isn't it? It's too much. But for my team, uh, my team of the week, my twat of the week, <laughs> again, it was. I, I wanted to put in Alex Turner and everyone apart from Matt Helders from the Arctic Monkeys after that abomination of a performance at the weekend there at Glastonbury. They half-arsed their old stuff, and I was not a fan. It sounded like a crap cover band from the 70s in Las Vegas in some I can't think of the word. I was going to say swaggy, but I mean the opposite. Sleazy. Some sleazy nightclub with velveteen carpets and stuff like that. Uh, They sound like one of those tribute bands to their own stuff. It was awful. But since this is a football podcast, and I was struggling for a nomination this week, because again, it's been a quiet week in the world of football, uh, Enia Lugo cropped up on my newsfeed because she believes that Manchester City do not actually want to sign Declan Rice, and their bid came after a play from Mikel Arteta to pal Pep Guardiola. (laughs) This is what she said about it. I think there's a lot of cat and mouse going on here. As a sporting director, I used to do this a lot. I used to call up a a club, a big club, and say, right, you can put a bid in, and that would basically force my owner to put in a higher bid. I don't think Manchester City actually want to sign Declan Rice. I think what's going on is Arteta has picked up the phone to Pep Guardiola and said, listen, Arsenal are going to do the incremental bid approach. If you put in a higher bid, that will push my owner. Then when asked why Arteta would try and trick, um, obviously, people, Aluko continued for speed and to get the deal done. Now, right. now, any Aluko has had previous of having had shocking takes on the on the football, but this might just take the biscuit of what her takes have been on the football. Again, this was on her, I think was uh, quotes taken from her stint on TalkSport on the radio this morning. Um, so mm. hopefully there was laced sarcasm on the actual audio. I haven't listened to the audio, so I've got to get that out there just in case she was having a laugh and a joke. But they've presented this news article on TalkSport's website as if this was an actual serious take. And I, I hope it's not because that, nah. <laughs> it seems a bit convoluted and far-fetched. I can, I can see a world where it happened, but I can't imagine... Imagine Mikel Arteta and Pep Guardiola, especially, you know, even though they're old mates and they've been in the same back backroom staff and all that kind of stuff. I can't see two rivals, him saying, oh, do, do us a favour, Pep. I know you're like the most, you know, um, competitive man in this league, but can you do us a favour with Declan? No, I, I can't see it happening. And why would, why would Pep do it? Because now 
Everyone in the world knows that Manchester City want to spend somewhere in the region, I don't know what it'll go for eventually, somewhere in the region of like 100 million for Declan Rice. So mm-hmm. if they then just, you know, put the bid in for the crack just to help Mikel Arteta, which makes no sense to begin with, they've now then said to the rest of the football, we've got this big bag of money to spend on players. If they then offer any less to any player, that club can then come back and say, well, you had that money for Declan Rice, so we'll have that instead since you don't want him anymore. How does yeah, it How does it work for anyone? <laughs> Like I, I could see it happening for like maybe less high profile players, but not like you were saying a ninety million pound England international. <laughs> I can't to, to the teams that finished first and second in the league. Nah. And again, from Manchester City's point of view, I think their operations been you know praised in the years gone by for for you know getting the business done. Mm-hmm. It feels like when other football teams approach players that more gets leaked the earlier in the process, but with Manchester City, most of it gets done, then it gets leaked to the press. It feels like that's the yeah. way they do their business. That's egg on the face of everyone who works in their transfer department as well. I don't understand how any Lugo thinks is a good thing for anyone outside of Mikel Arteta. And maybe she hasn't thought that bit through. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 going to... It's going to make this transfer saga play out even longer, isn't it? I mean, some people love transfers, some hate them. I always get sucked into the transfer thing, but if if you hate transfers and hearing this kind of bollocks, it's really going to burn your wig out, isn't it? I'll tell you what, though. Transfer deadline day needs to pick itself up again because it's been a fair few years now since we've had an exciting transfer window. If, uh, transfer deadline day, I should say. I might be wrong here, but it feels like ever since that dildo came out at Finch Farm, Transfer deadline day has never been the same since. <laughs> Up the dildo. Up the dildos, um, indeed. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we've had it on in the office the last couple of ones and nothing has happened at all. Where's where, where's Harry Radnapp in his car chatting bollocks? That's what I want. Exactly. Even when he's not manager anymore, <laughs> just get him in his car to chat absolute yeah. bollocks. Yes, but down with Alex Turner and everyone apart from Matt Helders and the Arctic Monkeys and also down with Enia Luko and her opinions on football because anytime she appears on the telly on itv stuff she always says something that makes you go eh what are you on about eh eh you're not a fan then ross no nah, she's like tim, <laughs> she's like tim sherwood for me she just says stuff for the crack i guess that's what i do for a living as well but i don't get paid as much as them therefore it's more egregious in my opinion <laughs> down with the tim sherwood as well as soon as you said tim sherwood i'm just thinking of the time that he went into uh the training ground was at tottenham when he was still at tottenham and he uh, had to kick the the button to open the door and he <laughs> thought he was the absolute business there it? Not bad. <laughs> i imagine brendan rogers doing something similar i've not seen what you're on about 100%, but yeah 100 yeah, he does a little pirouette and everything brendan rogers i bet anyway <laughs> on to the roberto mail baggio we go hi mate by the way if you want to get oh. Your, your oh 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 oh, oh. we're gonna have to before we get to the roberto oh! baggio i thought we were doing it bef- after the no yeah. i've put it before on my thing let's get excited everybody because it's the return of of your favorite segment the segment we've only done once before. No, your favourite segment. <laughs> Everyone's favourite segment in the world ever. Yeah, it's what happened to that wunderkind, if we're going with the German. Hang on. I need to do, I need to do that again. Um, cheers. Uh, I want to use the soundboard effectively, but it's not It's not worked yet. Where are we? Just give me a second. Right. Are you ready? Count to, me in. Count me in. Say, right. Oh, God, we had a little misfire there. Go on. Just introduce the segment now. It's what happened to that wunderkind. So, 
a little a little peek to you know how the sausage is made um i've had this i've had this ready to go for a couple of weeks but you know the the way our conversations pan out and we get just you know lost in music caught in a trap yeah, yeah. it's just been on the uh, back burner but this was one that was spurred on from the video you did the other week talking about the the greatest club sides that you've seen um uh, if if anyone's asking, Ajax 1995 for me, going for the hipster choice. But I agree with you that um, that Barcelona side was incredible. Pep's um, Barcelona side. And one of the players in that side, Bojan. It ended with Stoke City in my mind. And then he went absolutely nowhere, Jarkins. But I assure that you're going to put me right on that matter, aren't you? Well, I forgot how much of a prodigy he was when he best on the scene. It was the so. next the next Messi, just as Messi was arriving on the big stage. Well, that's, that's what I was reading about him. Yeah, him, he came through Bar- Barcelona's legendary, you know, La Masia Training Academy. He allegedly scored over 900 goals at youth level. Bollocks. That's what they say. <laughs> he, he was the Pele of the youth league, apparently. Who says um, this? Um, People from Barcelona. Okay. <laughs> but he made his Barca debut at 17 years old in 2007. He broke Messi's youngest league debutant record. Um, scored 10 league goals and 31 appearances in his debut season. Was an unused sub a year later when they beat uh, Man U in the Champions League final. And that was the season where they won everything. That was the season yeah. and the team in question, wasn't it? Yeah. Amazing. Um, but some quotes from himself. He has, Bojan said that his rise to superstardom affected his mental health, and he suffered with anxiety because he suddenly went from you know this nine hundred goals child to being you know front and center at the new camp and being compared with Messi. Um, so much so he declined his first cap for Spain when asked to join the Euro two thousand eight squad because he was just like I, I I can't handle this. I just God. need to. You forget how yeah. early that was. Like oh seven oh eight season, he's doing stuff for Barcelona, yeah. leading into getting potentially picked for Spain for Euro 2008. I didn't realise it was that early. Yeah, 17, 18 years old. Oh. Um, but the Spanish papers, because tabloids, they threw him under the bus, so they span it as that he just flat out rejected to play for his country. So some of the people were just like, who does this kid think he is? Think yeah. he's too good for the Spanish team? Um, but his his record was, he, he was roughly one in four in all competitions, which for you know a, a teenage forward is fantastic. But you got to remember, he was competing for minutes against Messi, David Villa, and Pedro. Yeah. So he was sold to Roma at age 20 for just 12 million in 2010, which again seems very cheap. Yeah. Um, at Roma, 37 appearances, seven goals, all right return. Loan to Milan after one season at Roma, 27 appearances, three goals. Oh. Mm. 2013, he's back to Barca through a mandatory buyback at 30 million, and he was immediately loaned to Ajax for a season. Helped Ajax win the Eredivisie, five goals in 32. And, oh. like, and then, <laughs> like you mentioned before, he stands for bloody Mark Hughes's Stoke in 2014. 23 years old, 1.8 million pounds. How does that work? I don't know, but I remember at the time thinking, Jesus. That's a hell of a signing for Stoke. Even though his goal return of the previous two seasons that you just read out there probably hints at 1.8 million being a fair figure. This hmm. is this is Bojan of Barcelona and AC Milan fame at one point. Yeah, like we were saying before, roughly one in four for your backup striker at Barcelona as a teenager. Yeah. 1.8 seems quite cheap. Um, it's time for Stoke took him time to adapt, but it managed a nice vein of form. Five goals between mid-November and mid-January in his first season. 
then got a cruciate ligament rupture which ruled him out for the rest of the season uh, next season seven goals and 31 appearances but lost his place in the side and then managed five starts in the first six months of the 16-17 season before being loaned to Mines. then at Mines, one in 11 but became only the seventh player to have scored in the top flight for Spain, England, Italy and Germany despite wow. doing bugger all it seems so after Mines, he was loaned to Alaves in the 2017-18 season 13 league appearances no goals Back to Stoke in the championship the next season was a fan favourite, but wasn't fancied by Gary Rowan. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> so. What season did you say it was? 1718? Um, no, it would have been 1819. Stoke City, 1890. Let's just have a look at their squad from that season and see who was fancied by Gary Warren. <laughs> Gary Rowan, beg me pardon. Mm. Right, so let's have a look at some notable names who were probably centre for. Tom Ince was there. 36 yeah. appearances. Peter Atebo, Bennett Gafobi, Sam Vokes, Vokesy from the uh, Burnley days <laughs> of the Sean Dyche. James McLean, I guess, is a winger who was also there. Um, Mame Biram Juf was still there, six appearances. Berahino was there, 16 appearances. Crouchy was there, 21 sub appearances. <laughs> Bojan was there, 12 sub appearances in the league. Yeah. Um, try to look at other striking options. That's 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 disappointing. That when you get ousted by the likes of Peter Atebo. Let's see where Peter Atebo is now. I guess he's a midfielder more than a striker. Yeah, he's a well. He's not even got a club anymore. And he's twenty-seven. He just left Aris. Oh right, uh, and you just mentioned Tom Ince. He's just signed somewhere, hasn't he? For Watford like today. Yeah, was it fifty grand or something? Or yeah, twenty-five grand. Just, or? He was at Redden and they're in sort of financial issues, aren't they? The moment so yeah. he went there, Benicafobi. Where's he at these days? He was an all right player back in the day, wasn't he? Yeah, he Where's Benicophobi? He's at Hatta. All right. How old is he now? Where the hell's Hatta? It's in Dubai. He's 30 years old. You can see why he's got to Dubai. Vauxy. Where's Vauxy? I love Vauxy. Play Vauxy up top. He's at Wiccan Wanderers. Of course he is. What a fantastic fit <laughs> place. Not the Wiccan I Wanderers. He, I heard he runs the burger van before matches <laughs> as well. And Mame Biram Juf. He is currently 35. I don't know if he's that old. And he's just been at Konyaspor. Okay. In Turkey, I assume, just with the Aspor bit at the end. Yeah. I should check that out before I say that there. <laughs> of course they are. They're in Turkey. As like are, on YouTube. As are his previous players, <laughs> his previous team called Hatayaspor. Oh. You uh, learn something new every day. <laughs> you do. Sorry. Back to Bojan. Yeah. So after Gary Rowett got buggered off and Nathan Jones came in, couldn't nail down a consistent place. Left Stoke by mutual consent at the end of the 18-19 season, aged just 27 years old. So a fall from grace. Mm. He then spent two seasons in the MLS with Montreal Impact, two seasons in the J-League for Vissel Kobe, and announced his retirement in the new camp this March, March 2023. Did he actually? Yeah, because I'd seen this um, a few weeks ago and forgotten about it and then... After, like you said, you jogged my memory with that video with the great Barca team. I was like, oh, crap, yeah. He, he Apparently, I think he'd reached out to Barca saying, look, I'm going to retire. Can I just kind of come say my goodbye? And they were gracious enough to say, yeah, come on, you're one of our homegrown lads. Mesque un club, as they like to say. They do like to say that, yeah. <laughs> that was very, very nice pronunciation, I'm sure. Hey, I had Rafa Benitez as my manager for a few years. I know how to say club and squa in Spanish while speaking English. What a lovely man, Rafa Benitez. I know. He's well. back in football yeah. as well. That was in your, your things you sent me earlier on. He's uh, gone to Celta Vigo. Yeah. And or is I, it I Betis? Think... Or is it Celta Vigo? I forgot the I wrong team. I think it's Celta Vigo. Celta Vigo. Celta Vigo. Yeah. Up, up the Vigos. 
And he's, I think he's still got his house in Merseyside because his family love it here. So. Well, that's the thing. When he left Newcastle, he was all like, "Oh, I want to be closer to home." This, that, and the other. And he never, he's not, he's not, he's got further away every single time. <laughs> they, they must just fly him out in a private jet. It apart can't be, from, it can't apart, be good. Apart from Everton, I forgot that egregious oh, mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, as for, as for Bojan, I, I looked on transfer marked. Um, we were saying before he, he did his cruise ship, but he missed seventy. Three games throughout his career due to injury. Two minor injuries for Barca. 47 days out for Milan. 60 days for Ajax. And then that rupture at Stokes on out for 181 days. And obviously, for you know a, a pacey young forward, his pace wasn't the same afterwards. And it just it knackered him. It but, did. Um, yeah, I, I forgot like I forgot the impact he made when he burst onto the scene. It's like we were saying... When when we talk about Pato as well, the the, the last Wunderkind we looked at, of course, all those weeks ago, um, he was a revelation. Like you're saying, the, the comparisons couldn't have helped his mental health. People saying he's the next Messi, this lad, no pressure. But um, at, at least he, he he seems he seems happy now. Like I say, New Camp gave him that send off. So up up the up the Bojan up the Bojan he certainly left his mark on football which is more than can be said for a lot of footballers who take up the game professionally I don't know why I said that like that <laughs> it sounded like a voiceover from Pro Evo I'm like an AI aren't I just trying to put things together about football I found a sound effect by the way just as well, uh, just just here uh, football grunts and other sound effects you want to listen to some football grunts now that we've had a bit of a, a sombre time there with uh, Bojan's career yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll brace myself. Let's go. I'll be surprised if this podcast stays monetized on YouTube now, but that was what happened to that Wonder Kid. <laughs> <laughs> A fitting end to the segment there. What kind of football grunts? That, that must be the American football, surely. The wrong kind of football. Yeah, yeah. Your gridiron, that sort of stuff. Gridiron. I like the name gridiron. Gridiron's yeah. cooler. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Oh, yeah, let's yeah. go down the park for some gridiron. Yeah. I'll smack you in the chops. Aye. <laughs> Ross at holdandgive.com is your place to send your Roberto mail baggios. We were struggling this week so much that I had to put it out on Instagram as well just to get the numbers up, but we made it, we managed it, so thank you very much for all your support in everything we do here at Hold and Give. Right, we start off this week's Roberto mail baggio with high mates, a 30-yard screamer or individual Messi-style dribble goal. Keep up the good work. Muzzy, is it? And I say Muzzy is it like that because the email was signed off with Muzzy is it with a question mark at the end as if it might be Muzzy is it, but is it is it Muzzy is it? I guess that's a game we could now play going forwards. Is it Muzzy is it? I'd love it if Muzzy is it. <laughs> the nineteen nineties was that long ago. He's forgotten who he was. Volley oh, in the top corner against Spurs, but he doesn't remember those halcyon days. I can't wait for Rule Fox to email in next week. <laughs> But um, back to Muzzy's question. A 30-yard screamer or individual Messi-style dribble, dribble goal? Ooh, I don't know. My, my heart would usually say a screamer, but after looking at the goals of the season and them all being very similar outside-the-box strikers, I do like a dribble goal. I, I like a team goal, you know, one of those ones where everyone touches it and it's just... Oh, I'll tell you who scored a good one of those this week was the England under-21s in whatever tournament they're currently playing in. Uh, yeah. Emile Smith-Rowe. 
I forget who it was against the other day. They won 2-0. I forget who it was now. But if they're playing some ticky-tack on the edge of the box. It's three of them getting involved. But it's one touch like for three or four passes. And he twats at the bottom corner. It's a delightful goal. Up oh, the ticky-tacker. <laughs> what about yourself? You, you're a you're a, you're a boy of Shearer. You probably want a screamer, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, it's a screamer. Yeah. But if I'm going to pick a particular kind of screamer, it's your Paul Scholes at Villa Park, the volley mm. against Aston Villa, where it's a screamer from that far out, but it hits the underside of the bar, bounces back up into the roof of the net. That is the je ne sais quoi of your thunder bastards. We'll call them. I, I read a I read an article once about why it is why it seems so much better when it goes in off the post or in off the bar and apparently it's because the the margin of error is so close yeah. because we know that you know oh if that was an inch to the left or right that wouldn't have gone in apparently that just why is something in our brains to go oh it's even better because oh i clipped it and went in yeah oh. wonderful well all albert einstein and we don't know it yeah of course that's exactly how that works anyway <laughs> next up we have dear mr and Miss, mr holder mr give which one do you want to be I'll be Mr. Give. I'm a giving man. Oh, oh, I'll be the holder then. Uh, that made me think of uh, Paul Gascoigne and Les Ferdinand in the dressing room for England in Euro 96. I don't know if you know this story, do you? No. I want to see Paul Gascoigne do like a live talk. Um, 2015, I think it was, and he told this story of how Gaz- well, all the England lads were getting changed, basically, and Gazza saw Les Ferdinand's willy. And Gazza said... Les, or where's the effect of Les, that's so impressive can I please have a hold to which Les was like, oh stop it go away, I don't want you to do that to me Paul Gascoigne but Gascoigne insisted so much that finally Les Ferdinand gave in and let Paul Gascoigne hold his winky so Paul (laughs) Gascoigne held Les Ferdinand's winky and then it might have been the Scotland game where he sent Colin Hendry to a different stadium mm. and put it in. It might be that game, but it might not be. I, f- I forget the full story. So for future England games, when Gascoigne and Ferdinand were both in the squad, it got to the point that Gascoigne was insisting on it every time it happened, just because it was a, a superstitious thing at this point, that Les Ferdinand would just, without even being asked this anymore, would go to the door the team would head through to go to the tunnel and just drop his kex and go, come on then, Gazza, have a little hold. So you've got a hold and give and do at the right time. That's a new meaning for Les Ferdinand and Paul Gascoigne. But anyway, my question relates to bad football opinions. When I first watched Mares play in the FA Cup in a game four Leicester against Aston Villa, I confidently said to my mate that he was nothing special and he won't last in the Premier League. Safe to th- safe to say he's done okay for himself since, and my mate never lets me t- uh, forget my awful take to this day. What football opinions have made you turn out the- to be terrible in hindsight? And what is the biggest star you spotted for the very start of his career thanks for all the content and make me look f- look forward for more to come as i lose the will to live with my reading ability thanks from ben <laughs> thanks ben i forgot my glasses again i'm struggling and it's hay fever season my eyes are so watery it's something unbelievable and <laughs> um, i feel like guys are at euro, euro, euro 90 at the world cup in 1990 for goodness sake ross anyway right so first and foremost your, your worst football opinion has there been one that backfired spectacularly yeah and it couldn't get even more spectacular um, the first time I saw Kaka, I thought he was crap. <laughs> Is that just because of his name? No, I just thought, ah, he's not very good, him. And he, he was quite good, wasn't he, Kaka? Which uh, which game was it? Can you remember what game it was when you first saw I can't saw remember. I, I think it was... I can't even remember. I just remember, you know, it was one of those that... Back in the day before, you know, 
we were full on internet boys, but you'd hear names and you'd hear rumblings and you'd read stuff in 414 and be like, well, I'm going to pay extra attention to this lad. And then I watched them and I just remember thinking, he's not all that. He's not that good. And then, you know, obviously he became, you know, one of the best players of his generation, best player in the in the world at one point. Yeah, he was one won everything. Yeah. He That's has worries me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm str- um, honestly, this isn't me being an arsehole, but I'm really struggling to think of one where I've got it horribly wrong. There's no doubt there's one out there. I mean, I did a video about Harry Kane a couple of weeks ago that I had to take down because I got something so egregiously bad. You know, when you think you can just stand in front of a camera and just talk words and jazz will happen. I did that and I was like, well. Harry, sorry, Spurs got all that money for uh, for Gareth Bale and didn't replace him with anyone. And then someone in the comments pulled my pants down because, like, yeah, they just signed Christian Eriksen and Lamella and people like that mm-hmm. who got them to European final. I was just like, oh, bollocks, it's, it's happened. It, it took a while for Lamella to kick on, though, if memory yeah. serves me correctly. And as we all know, my memory is sharp, sharp as a <laughs> Graham Sharp. Lee Sharp. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Sharp, you can. Uh, <laughs> exactly. There we go. A sharp knife. Um... Yeah, uh, football opinions that I've got horribly wrong. I can't think of one. I, there must be several, but I, as I'm sat here right mm. now on this day, I can't think of it. And it's 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 not very good for this question. I could have just made one up, but I want to bring integrity to this podcast. So I'll tell you, I can't think of one. But when I do in future, I'll let you know exactly what it is. I can fill in for you. One of my mates, when Trent Alexander-Arnold first came through at Liverpool, couldn't stand him. He's like, oh, he's rubbish him. And, you know, he, he's quite good at football as well. Yeah, he's all right. He's, he's, he's come round to it now. He's just like, yeah, love a bit of Trent. But yeah. uh, at first, couldn't stand him. Why would he, why would he say that, though? I don't know. Because did, didn't he burst on the scene? You know, Mika Richards style. But wasn't he pretty he did, much... Yeah. When he when he first got on the team, it wasn't long before he was properly established as the right-back, wasn't it? Um, yeah, because it was we we still had Nathaniel Klein as right back, and I, I can't remember if Klein dropped in form or if he was injured or something. Could <laughs> you say a decline? <laughs> That's why you all pay the big bucks and work in these sixteen-hour days, Ross. And I'm sat here on the toilet reading the Athletic in the morning. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he didn't fancy Trent at first, and. Eventually came round, so there you go. Save your bacon. Yep, and a star that you saw before mo- most people realised they were a star. Uh, I can't think of any. Can't think of any. Um... Jamie Vardy for me. Yeah, signed him on Football Manager before Leicester signed him because I saw the Mootens in the press. It was a few weeks before of like, it's oh, this million pound player coming from the conference to the championship. Let's get him mm. signed. And let me tell you, I told my friends at university what a player Jamie Vardy's going to be. And look what happened. So I'll take Jamie Vardy as a prime example of exactly what that question's asking for. I realised recently that um, in my teen years, I wasn't paying as, I wasn't as enamoured with football as I was, you know, when I was, a, a child and I wasn't playing champ man that's old I am it's still champ man it's not <laughs> man. And I wasn't wasn't playing FIFA that I played FIFA for the first time since 1998 in I think it was the 2011 season like I just wasn't a FIFA guy and as a result like I don't have this there's just a whole background of football that I'm missing because as soon as I got to like 13 14 I was just like right Football and wrestling, nah. I'm just like music and girls. That's that's mine. Oh, that's, that's what I'm. That's what I'm going after. And uh, part of me is thinking I should have stuck with footy manager, but this, it, was, uh, it almost yeah. cost me my degree. Football manager, like I, it's a it's a vow I've kept up until this very day. 
But when I was sat there doing my 60,000-word dissertation in the mm. space of one week because by and large football manager and drinking had nearly ruined my degree, I said to myself, if I do this as well as working a full-time job, I had a part-time job writing. It was like football betting tips for this website I was getting paid money for. It was a wonderful gig to have because um, I knew nothing about betting or football, so I was stealing a living. Um, I've just vowed to myself, if I've got a full-time job and I'm playing football manager, I'm literally going to become the whale. You yeah, know, from the film called The Whale. That'll be me. <laughs> so I was like, I'll never play football manager again after graduating, and I've, I've I've stuck to that. It's been very hard, but I've stuck to it. It's a it's a life. It's a career ender. It's football manager once you get into a good and proper. Like I love sitting down and watching it. I've got like um, memories of being a really young kid and watching my brother playing it and watching my cousin playing it, the old PlayStation versions of it. But and then during lockdown, I was thinking, well, I might you know download it and get involved but i never did but like you're saying about you know nearly ruining your uni career my mate in his first year of uni spent all of his grants on pills and kebabs and then after that first year he was just like i need to knuckle down and uh, uh he's got a good living now so he came out of it so fair enough there you go then pills and kebabs up oh, the pills and kebabs <laughs> um, and finally our final question i'm sorry i've I've got in my mind that we had a question from somebody in the actual mailbag, and I've not put it on, but I'll put it on next week. Don't you worry about mm. it. But we, we went to Instagram and found a question from Frank underscore K underscore Sutton, who said, who should West Ham sign to replace Declan Rice? And I think the answer is very, very simple. If I was you know, David Sullivan or David Moyes or whoever's going to go to Manchester City with a transfer proposal, just say, we'll have your, your, your cut price at 80 million, but we'll have Calvin Phillips in return. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it makes all the sense in the world. Again, you march into that West Ham side. You'll, I don't know. I was going to say regain form, but it's not like he'd lost form. It's that he just, just didn't play. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't think that there's a better answer than that because obviously West Ham, the, the the they like the homegrown stars. They they like having talismanic English players at the heart of the heart of the squad, don't they? So. Yeah, no-brainer. Because I was thinking of maybe like a relegated player that could go to West Ham because it, it feels like West Ham would be in the market for the better relegated players. Mm. Obviously, James Ward-Prowse would be a fantastic signer, a different player to, to to Declan Rice, but not too dissimilar, I don't think, in terms mm. of getting around the pitch and legs in midfield and whatnot. I think Rice has got more, but James Ward-Prowse hasn't got none, if that makes sense. But then yeah. I remembered that Southampton won £55 million for James Ward-Prowse, and I'm thinking he's struggling to get anywhere for that sort of money. Apart from Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I'm sure if they get the big bucks for Rice, where it looks like they will, I'm sure they could talk they could talk Southampton down. If they manage to get Phillips and um Ward Prowse, that'd be that'd be a really good window for them. Yeah. There you go then. There's the answer. There's the answer. Frank and West Ham. Go and get uh, Calvin Phillips and or James Ward Prowse on the swap deal. Uh, we move on to the big question now as we end off this uh, a bit longer of a uh, holding give football podcast. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna claim this time back. <laughs> Don't be an arsehole. I'm trying my hardest. I'm all systems go at the minute. Um, the big question, as you can see, is Declan Rice, should he go to Arsenal or Manchester City as we're sat here at 17.55 hours on Tuesday, the 27th of June, 2023. West Ham have rejected Manchester City's offer worth £90 million for Declan Rice. Uh, the Premier League champions formalised their interest in the 24-year-old with a bid on Monday night, comprised of £80 million in a guaranteed money and £10 million in achievable performance 
performances-related add-ons. City's bid was the same value as Arsenal's second offer for Rice, which was rejected by West Ham last week. The Gunners had offered 75 million up front and 15 in add-ons, uh, but had proposed to structure the payments over a number of years. It's odd that Man City would offer the same thing, but slightly better. You get more of your money up front, but it's yeah. the same money when they've said no to that money in the first place. That's an odd, an odd stance to take. Hmm. Well, as we all know, it's just all cat and mouse games, isn't it, in the transfer? Oh, market. it's not even not even real, is it? Hey, all these football oh. managers working together, making everyone else look bad for some reason. Um, but if you were Declan Rice, Jackins, let's give you a nice slick back haircut and a Cockney charm, a penchant for Rice. Um, and yogurts. He's, 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 the, he's the face from all the rice now, isn't yes. he? Yes. So I'm, on a bus stop the other day, I went, yes. So did I. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He looked really happy to have that yogurt in his hand. He really did. Up the Muller corners. Um, big question. If, if you were him, would you go to Manchester City? Maybe not guarantee the starting place because of uh, Pep Roulette and stuff like that. And look at Calvin Phillips, maybe, as an example of someone who's gone there and hasn't really set the world alight. Mm-hmm. Even though I think Declan Rice would be better because I think he is a step up uh, from yeah. Calvin Phillips. Or would you go to Arsenal? Xhaka's leaving. You're the direct replacement for him. He could be captain material in a couple of years' time. Um, I mean, he could be that at Manchester City, but it seems like a more foregone conclusion that he would be at Arsenal. Where are you going? What's your priorities? Arsenal. Um, he wouldn't have to move house. We we're bringing that again. He can Hell yeah. stay in London, lifestyle he's got and everything like that. Like you're saying, he's more guaranteed to be a vital cog in that Arsenal side. Not that he wouldn't at City, but like you say, you never you never know. Look how long it took for John Stones to really turn it around. It took him like a little while, didn't it? Uh, and he's probably, like you said, looked at Calvin Phillips and um, yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal all day. I, I, th- I well. think I, I think he'll wherever he goes, he'll do really well because he's a very good footballer. But I think he could become an Arsenal legend if he progresses in what we've seen from him already. Yeah, I think he could be the next Pep. Pep mm-hmm. was sort of like Declan Rice, wasn't he? And his sort of like the nature where he played the game, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah. Um, but you look at it right now, I just think you're more guaranteed to do more with your career if you go to Arsenal. Obviously, the the, the the, the room is there in the Manchester City midfield. Obviously, they've signed uh, Kovacic from Chelsea. They've got uh, Calvin Phillips there. Rodri is not getting ousted for anybody in world football at the moment. I don't care who they sign. So that's one <laughs> half of the midfield pair. Man- uh, obviously, John Stones has been sort of starting there in games. So that's another issue you've yeah. got to put in there. Would they change that? Get rid of that ta- that tactic to, like, to sort of accommodate Declan Rice? Or is there a way to sort of fit John Stones and Rodri and Rice in the same midfield? Which I, I don't see how there is. No, it'd be, it'd be too much tinkering, wasn't it? Wouldn't it? And considering that City started shakily last season, I, th- I think after we were saying before that all they've got to achieve now is the Invincibles and the quad. I think they'll be looking to absolutely get everything water tight before a ball's been kicked. Yeah, big time. So there we go. Arsenal over Manchester City. I think we're both in agreement there, just because yeah. it feels like the safer option. Is it the le- the less ambitious option? I wouldn't say so. It depends I mean, what, Ars- what else Arsenal Ars- do, I think, as well, isn't it, with their transfer yeah. kitty this summer? They've they've progressed, like you're saying, they were odds on for the league for 11 twelfths of the season. Um, back in the Champions League, yeah, it's a, I don't think it's a lack of ambition. Could he potentially go to Man City after a stint at Arsenal? Oh, yeah, I like was saying, what, he's 24. If he signed a four or five-year deal and left at the end of it, he'd be, what, 28, 29. Oh, Kovacic age. He could end up in Newcastle, you never know. We never know. Mm. Not this summer. I think he's the, the Newcastle ship <laughs> no, is not, not this summer, but saying if you sign for Arsenal and afterwards and you need a 
a new presence in midfield. Oh, oh when Tonali's getting on a bit. He still hasn't been confirmed as a signing, by the way, but, you know, it looks like all roads are leaving there, even though he, he cried, apparently, when he learned of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go. Oh, there's money, is there? Oh, I'll go. Fine. <laughs> apparently, that's what How happened. many bridges have they got? Ooh, that's quite a few bridges. <laughs> Aye, right, but we'll end the podcast there. Thank you very much for listening once again. We'll be back next Wednesday at 8pm on YouTube and a little bit later on your podcast feeds. What are you laughing at? Oh, I thought you meant recording at 8pm then. No! <laughs> Just to peel the curtain back, he normally finishes work at half four and we had to start at half four today. So thank yeah. you for your sacrifice for this hour and a half. It's It's okay. I work so hard, as we all know. You'll be getting sacked in the morning. I've been Ross Tweddle, joined by the freshly uh, free agent that is Jack Atkins, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.